Guten Tag, everybody. Welcome to Frankfurt. Welcome back to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast uh, in association with Future Radio and sponsored by Cavill Healthcare. It's our last day here in Germany. We thought we'd bring you a podcast in a bit more of a serene location than the last one. We, uh, we've pitched up next to the River Main, just, which is just to our, our right. As we, we sit here, you may be able to see uh, the big bridge in the, in the background. Um, we're hoping this is going to be a little bit calmer on what is uh, a Sunday lunchtime to dissect Norwich City's goalless draw with Kaiserslautern the last game of course on their uh, four-day five-day camp of uh, Germany or so and also look ahead to what comes next as we reach what David Wagner described as half term in pre-season which I quite like uh, I'm your host Connor Southwell joined by Paddy Davitt and Adam Harvey Paddy it's uh, it's a bit calmer down here and it wasn't our last, last podcast thank you for all your uh, love kind words and support on, on that slightly chaotic show um, let's uh, let's let's talk about the week that's been then I mean it's been a a really lovely week here in Germany, hasn't it, for, for us and I guess from, from a football perspective as well? Yeah, well, yeah, footballing-wise, a bit of a concern about the injury to Tomkinson, which we'll get into, obviously, off the back of Saturday's game at Kaiserslautern. But other than that, I think David Wagner would be reasonably happy. I mean, we'll get into it, obviously, but probably elements of that performance on Saturday, which you would like to see built upon, more so with the attacking thought defensively again with in terms of shape and the positional work they've done you can see that coming through and and maybe we're getting a sense now as we move through pre-season that the initial focus was on that that structure that shape um new players to integrate and Stacey and Duffy and Kellen Fisher to a lesser extent and maybe now as he, as he termed it yesterday to you you know after the 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 half term break and then they go again we might start to see more with the ball and of course for me written about it in my pointers, which which have gone up um, online earlier today. Sara, Sara's the, the the key kingmaker for me in terms of can they build on a, a defensive system that he seems to be putting in place and really add a goal threat and a, a chance creation threat because there was, let's be honest, wasn't a lot of that after the sort of first 20 minutes or so on Saturday, um, albeit, you know, some freak weather patterns and rafts of substitutions didn't help the flow of the game. But yeah, I think purely on yesterday's showing, you'd be you'd be a little bit questioning of, of what they're trying to do with the ball in the final third. So, but on, in the round, yeah, great trip. Yeah, we've um, I think we've enjoyed it. Uh, it's been it's been good. I'm just waiting for some American couple to come past with some apple wine. That's what that's what I'm hoping for. But I don't think that's going to happen. But. Uh, as long as the geese behind us don't attack us, we'll be all right. Yeah, absolutely. It seems uh, Sunday seems to be a day where everything kind of shuts down in Germany a little bit, as uh, we've just found out going looking for various bits and bobs to bring back uh, to, to England. It's our last day here. We fly out later tonight. I think Norwich are already back in England, uh, having flown back last night. So we've we've had an extra day here compared to them. Uh, Adam, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about the weather because for as bad as it was for me and Pad, we were in the big stand with you know at the back of it, obviously covered. I mean you were right in the forefront of it. It was so bad the players had to were, were basically taken off the pitch at one stage, which I don't think I've ever seen in a game before, I don't think. Uh, certainly from memory I'm sure some people have some great stories of uh, freak weather that maybe has forced Norwich City off the pitch. The only one that really comes to mind is that uh, which is again slightly different, but that League One game against Walsall where they had like the big cauldrons on the pitch and they were burning trying to uh, unfreeze the pitch essentially, which um, which didn't work. I mean you were in the midst of that that thunderstorm as it was. I mean you've dried out a little bit now. Just just tell us a little bit about what that was like to be pitch side when that was uh, when it was hammering down and the lightning and, and, and the thunder and whatnot. 
Well, yeah, I mean, yesterday, according to the weather, was supposed to be 32 degree heat. So I was kind of preparing myself with sun cream and everything yesterday morning. Uh, safe to say that was soon washed off. I mean, first half, there was a few droplets of rain here and there. And it seemed to happen that every single time I got my laptop out to upload some of the images to the system, uh, the rain would start coming down. So I swiftly put my laptop back away. But it was manageable in the first half. But yeah, that second half, I, I stood right behind the goal. And yeah, the heavens just opened, like, you know, all the lightning, everything. It was... Uh, it you was didn't quite... have a jumper? No, I didn't. I was in a just a T-shirt, my shorts, and I had, like, a vest thing, which you have to wear there with, like, you know, sort of your accreditation in the front. Um, and thankfully, that probably soaked up a lot of the moisture for me, because if not, I feel like, yeah, I would have had a, a pretty horrible journey home on the train, feeling very damp. Um, but yeah, I ended up keep going to the sort of halfway line where there was a little bit of shelter, Although the only issue with that was there was about 15 young Kaiserslautern fans who seemed to quite warm to me and they wanted high fives every single time I walked towards the halfway line. So I think I ended up doing about 50, 55 high fives probably over the course of uh, a 10 minute period when the rain was coming down. Um, but yeah, I did slightly fear for the worst at one point thinking, you know, we've come all this way and, and the game might be abandoned if it continues. But uh, of course, yeah, it was only sort of a five minute delay and we soon got back underway, albeit not much action happened. So we probably could have called the game uh, at 60 minutes and, and said, yeah, no, that's that's job done. Yeah, and uh, I think they would have recognised you from your Cuban baller appearance as we spoke about on the, uh, on, on the, on the last pod. But uh, yeah, Pad, I mean... Um, let's let's start. Actually, I'll, I'll ask you both this question and, and kind of gauge the mood as we as we depart Germany. That seems like an apt thing to do. I'll start with you, Paddy. Are you feeling more optimistic about Norwich City's prospects next season than you were before you came on this trip? Less optimistic, or would you say around around the same? That seems like a good way to gauge where we're at at the moment. I think probably around the same, if I'm honest, because I, I don't think we've seen enough with the ball in the final third. Um, to feel that's a step forward from what we'd seen. I mean, if, if you want to draw parallels, I mean, the better games of Wagner since he's come in the building in January, they've, they've looked far sharper in the final third. You know, Coventry away springs to mind and Blackburn away on Good Friday, Millwall as well. Um, and certainly the Millwall game, key to that for me, to repeat my earlier point, was, was a certain Brazilian. Um, and until he's back in the mix, I... I don't think I don't think we're going to see any great development forward. You know, there's a lot of talk about wide areas. Borja Science was clearly recruited because they felt they didn't have the type of wide player profile that David Wagner wants. Um, yet Pueta and Hernandez, two players who were deemed surplus to requirements at various stages, and not altogether dim and distant, uh, are now firmly back in it. Johnny Rowe, spring it, very young options, inexperienced. I don't think that four delivers what they're clearly hoping that Science would and will deliver um, so it feels to me they're going to have to do something in those areas now we know science isn't available till October even with Zara in, in the mix I don't think Adam Eder pushed his claims in that 45 minutes on Saturday um, so for me I look at it in the final third more questions than answers really and to counterbalance that I think there is a step forward in terms of what they're doing out of possession. You can see that they went 4-4-2 against Darmstadt in midweek. There was a bit more of a 4-3-3. You see Poeta coming back in to supplement that midfield. They don't look as exposed um, as they were last season with the 3-1 build-up and Kenny McLean as it was dripping, dropping between the two centre-backs, maybe a Zara or a Nunes. And the risk there was very high in terms of you got turned over in your own half. Um, you're putting your back four and keeper under, under stress. So... I can see the work there, no doubt about it, three or four games into pre-season. Um, but of course, you know, if they're going to do anything in the Championship, it needs to be both elements of that, doesn't it? They need to be good with and without the ball. And um, 
so for me I'm probably in a bit of a holding pattern really if it comes to where do you pitch the optimism levels um, what about you mate I, I would agree pretty much with everything you said I don't think I have I have a lot to add to, to what you to what you said and, and we'll, we'll speak more about the creativity in, in a moment but yeah I, I, I feel pretty much the same to be honest I feel like we've seen good stuff and maybe some questions answered but we've also maybe seen more questions thrown up that as, as yet don't have answers. Adam, what about, what about you? Where do you kind of feel you are on the Norwich City optimism spectrum, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, obviously I wasn't at Kings Lynn, so uh, the only game I'd seen prior to Germany was the pretty <laughs> drab draw at Barnet. Um, so to me, it probably was a step forward watching them at Darmstadt. Uh, certainly from a de- you know, defensive perspective, they were pretty solid against you know what will be a Bundesliga side this season. And I thought you know Nunes was sort of a, you know starting to show some creativity in the midfield in that game. And I don't know, maybe I had a little bit more optimism. But then yesterday, probably felt like another slight step backwards. Albeit you know we spoke about the sort of mitigating factors of the weather and the fact you know you're changing the team so regularly. But I feel like certainly you know moving forwards now, we've obviously got the games against Alkmaar, Toulouse. And Olympiacos, obviously, I think David Wagner will probably be starting to maybe shape the team that will start in the championship and we maybe see players get more minutes and, and players that will maybe come to the forefront that will be starting against Hull. And I think that's maybe when I'll judge them a little bit more harshly, maybe, and, you know, maybe make more of an opinion on how I feel they'll do this, uh, you know, this forthcoming season. But there certainly still looks to be maybe a lack of confidence in certain players as well. I mean, Adam Eder had a, a well, what was a pretty good chance in the first half and, and again, he's striker with you know a really sort of in a rich vein of form, bit of confidence about them, probably heads that towards the goal, and it's almost as if he you know wanted to put it back across the box to you know maybe give someone else an opportunity where it probably looked you know a better opportunity for him to try and score. So hopefully you know in the next coming weeks you know someone like Adam Eder will get a goal in preseason, and that will just you know boost his confidence and. You know, maybe we'll start to see some more, you know, sort of further steps that Norwich will be able to compete, you know, well in the championship this season. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a bit of a thankless task pre-season, isn't it? Because you go and stick six past Kings Lynn, and you know, it's uh, us, we probably, and, and supporters as well. Again, oh well, you know, it's Kings Lynn. There's what four divisions difference. Obviously, a massive financial gap and a massive quality gap. And then you you, know, you come to Germany, you score one goal, and maybe we're, we're talking about creativity again. And maybe a lot of these discussions are framed on. The, or hinged on to the back of how last season ended. I don't know, but it, it it has been a concern now probably for 12 months really. Pad that 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 lack of creativity they have in their squad. I'm still looking at it and look at the wide options that they have at, at this moment in, in time. That's a quad bike, by the way. Uh, Onel Hernandez, Shemeswav Poheta, uh, Christos Scholis, uh, John Rowe, Tony Springett. They all strike me as wise players, wingers, who, so to speak, who want to latch onto the end of something, i.e. a quality pass, and, and, and that's probably why we've seen Marcelino Nunez look good so far in this, in this pre-season. They don't have probably what you would describe as those, those creators, those technicians. It all feels a bit one pace to me in terms of those wide areas, in terms of personnel, and I think that's probably why the conclusion at the moment feels like they, they're going to have to find an external solution to what they have at the moment. Obviously, we don't really know what Borja Sainz will bring to the party. But if you look at his data and, and you look at what he's been throughout his career, he's largely been a player who latches onto stuff rather than this kind of, I don't, I'm loathe to say Emi Buendia style player because they're, they're one in what, a million, right? But um, it's that type of creative presence, that ability to unlock something to create a chance because we can talk about Adam Ida and we can talk about Ashley Barnes and we can talk about Josh Sargent, but ultimately they're not being they're not having chances created for them. And I guess the concern is that is a lot of what we saw last season as well. So 
that concern around the creative areas and maybe the question of where are the goals going to come from doesn't quite feel like we, we spoke a minute ago about the questions maybe that have been thrown up by this trip and by pre-season so far doesn't necessarily feel like we have the answers to that yet no what we don't is, is a simple answer to that but I think we do need to reiterate that a we're really probably only at a phase where it's been about fitness primarily and structure and um, and discipline work without the ball I, I think now this next phase of pre-season running into Hall um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the focus shifts and it might coincide with, with Zara because he is an intrinsic element of that final third template um, and hitherto, I mean, we saw him at the open training session. He looked to be moving, no problems, looked to be taking a full part in the session. But obviously now you would think maybe Alkmaar will be the first sight of him in terms of on the pitch. And, and now he is fully available. I think maybe you'll start to see more focus on the training pitch. Um, I mean, we, you know, like I say, go back to Thursday's training session and a lot of it was with with Narcis Pelac um, taking groups and working on wide area drills. It was one drill where they shifted the ball along the back line and then Duffy was hitting long diagonals on Bamba Daly, long diagonals to a wide player. There was another drill where it was actually about McCallum on one side, Mumber on the other, getting back into those defensive shapes. So for me, I, I'm not overly concerned uh, be, because I think it, I think maybe the focus has lay elsewhere in terms of Wagner and his coaching staff and what they deemed was the base line that they needed to work on. But if we're sat here, rolled it on, and we're the other side of Altmar and we're the other side of Toulouse and Olympiacos, and they haven't scored a huge amount of goals, they haven't created a huge amount of chances, then you have a real right to be worried then because the league season is on top of them then and, it, and, and I don't think you can suddenly expect it to come and fall into place we need we would need to see some irrefutable and empirical evidence over these pre-season games that remain that he has decoded some of the issues that you know dragged them down that performance level the back end of last season you know parking obviously injuries to senior players but one win in 13 post Millwall um, the lack of goals the lack of chances they're creating all of those issues probably what's underpinning this sense of I'm not seeing much difference so far in pre-season but I, I think you do have to give them an opportunity now yeah. with Zara in the mix um, and potentially maybe one or two other additions if they can do their work um, and then we'll, 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 then the time to judge them for me would be post-Olympiacos because um, certainly right here right now you would, would have just justifiable concerns about where are the goals going to come from and where are the chances going to be created. It's all rather disjointed and off the cuff. And um, and I think the players are trying to sort of, you know, almost take on board what, what Wagner is, the coaches and Pelach. And it's worth reiterating, you know, Pelach looked very heavily involved in that open training session. You observe him on a match day. He seems to have really been brought into the camp and given a lot of responsibility but he's only new to David Wagner and his coaching staff in terms of Norwich he's certainly new to that group of players and it's going to take time you know you can't suddenly you know if it if it is something they're trying to bring out of these players that, that David didn't have prior to Narciss arriving then it's going to take time and um yeah as I say I think it would be premature to make any definitive conclusions right here right now but by the same token 
that what we witnessed in the main against Kaiserslautern was a lot of what we saw at the back end of last season, and that clearly isn't going to be good enough to to get them upwardly mobile in the table. Yeah, which is which is kind of the point that I, uh, I made really, um, because it's you're almost looking at this debate, I guess, through a slightly skewered prism because you're you're hinging it onto the back of last season, right? Which you know you might argue is a just thing to do and you can argue is an unjust thing to do. But I've used this expression before on here. It goes back to me, it's like, um, I think I even used it as early as, as last season where it's like, you know, you're driving a car and you have the warning light on. It feels a bit like that at the moment. But I think the the one thing I would add as to why this maybe feels different this time, and this is where I'll bring you in, Adam, is that you speak to David Wagner and he, he kind of admits that. He asked him yesterday about creativity and he, he said openly that he wanted to add at least one to... To, to that area of the pitch. Shemeswa Poeta spoke about it as well and um, maybe there, there was work to do offensively and, and, and getting that creativity that they need. So then there seems to be an acknowledgement, an acknowledgement inside the camp that it is, it is an issue, which, you know, it's one thing recognising an issue and another thing addressing it, but that at least suggests that there is some willingness to investigate that, which wasn't the case last summer, I would suggest. Yeah, I think last year there was a lot of alarming issues, both offensively and defensively. And like the one thing I can say is there has been progress yeah. from a defensive standpoint. So that's definitely something they've targeted and they're working on. So for me, probably now moving forwards into the next sort of three weeks of pre-season, it is pretty crucial that they probably get some business done in those attacking areas and bed them in and you know hopefully sort of get them into David Wagner's way of playing and hopefully we'll see some improvements of course you know I can imagine the coaches are aware with all the data and stuff they've got now you know they'll be monitoring the games and the sort of chance creation and they'll be building you know to hopefully that whole game and we'll see some you know certainly in terms of an attacking perspective a lot more chances created and hopefully you know sort of the likes of Sargent can get some early goals in the season as well and the chances are being created for him then the competence of those sort of players is only going to grow so I think yeah, it's, it is a crucial couple of weeks now coming up on the training pitch. It's important that you know those sort of systems are bedded in. Only double sessions now, of course, as well, not triples. So hopefully the players will be less tired. Certainly the wingers. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to be yeah, it's going to be important three weeks, and it's going to be interesting to see how they get on, particularly against like you know the likes of Olympiakos, which are also a step up in in team quality as well. So if you know if they're not creating chances in games like that, then yeah, I think there'll be more alarm bells ringing for fans and the coaches and David Wagner, of course, as well. Yeah, it's what it is. It's that red light on the dashboard that's maybe just started to, to beep again. Um, it's, it's, it, it, is, it is tough, Paddy, because I think you, you look at some of the options that they have at the moment. Someone like Shemeswav Poeta, who was sent on loan last summer, probably deemed then not to be good enough, if, if, we're, if we're blunt about it, to, to be involved at Norwich City's first team level. Onel Hernandez has obviously had spells away at the, uh, on loan before, but to be fair to him under David Wagner, uh, was probably one of the revitalised players towards the back end of last season and, and certainly was contributing a lot more with assists than perhaps he, he did prior to those loan spells. He's uh, you know, signed a new contract and fought his way back in. Fair, fair play to him. Christos Zolis as well, being out on loan, had to come back. There's, there's options there, that, and, and probably a lot of them, that as of yet hasn't haven't really taken a step forward in in their time at Norwich. Certainly Poeta, certainly Scholes, you would put under that. And I mean, we spoke to Chris uh, Shemeswaf Poeta, sorry, yesterday, and you get that sense that there's determination. I think to be fair to him, he's looked pretty bright. But it goes back to this this point that I made in terms of maybe the personnel that they have in those areas. It doesn't necessarily feel like they have different options. They feel quite similar the options they've got at the moment. So. Is, is that the key, I guess, in terms of uh, to move this on and the recruitment of it? Do they need different types of players in, in those wide areas for you from here? Well, if we're being brutally honest, they need better players. I mean, it's different types of players. I think, I think it's a quality issue. I think it is, yeah. I think that that type of wide player is 
is what David Wagner wants. He's not looking for another uh, profile of Wipe. I don't personally think anyway. I, and I think science, as we've discussed, probably falls into that category as well. So in his mind, as a coach, what he wants from his wide players, those those lads already in the building fit the criteria. But are they good enough? Are they good enough? And he said himself after Darmstadt, and he directed it more or less at those wide players, you put pressure on me, I'm not going to put pressure on you. How do you put pressure on me? Goals and assists. That was his currency, goals and assists. Not looking bright and one or two driving runs. I agree, Pojeta has, you know, in flashes, shown something. But if, if it's goals and assists, none of those players. Rowe, he got one, didn't he, at Barnet. Um, he finished off that move. But that aside, I'm struggling. I don't think any of the other wide players are really chipped in with goals or assists. And... There, if was, that's there David, was a poetic cross at Lynn, wasn't there? But again, yeah, feel, feel like you need to in, caveat yeah. that yeah. all the time. And there, that's the issue of pre-season. Exactly. But, so, so if we're talking one goal, one assist from all your wide players in, in four, as it is now, pre-season games, by David Wagner's own measure, that's not going to be good enough. Um, certainly not when the real business comes around. So I think it's as simple as that. I don't, I don't think they're looking for a different type of wide player and that these individuals don't fit the template because if they didn't I don't think they'd be anywhere near it now he'd have moved them on they wouldn't have renewed on Hernandez's contract they clearly feel his attributes um, complement what David's trying to do in the final third I just think then sadly uh, all, all good lads in their own way but um, quality wise I don't I don't think they, they move Norwich in a direction that we feel they need to be moving in if they're going to get in and around seriously that top six conversation this season and I think science well, of course, we hadn't seen him in the flesh, but purely his numbers in a Turkish top flight team, OK, who got relegated, but his own numbers in goals and assists, again, that, that measure that David's applying such importance to, suggests that he was an upgrade. And, and sadly, um, we know he's going to be out until October. So, I mean, on El Hernandez, there was that spell to give him his due to, before he, the injuries came back round yeah. again. You could argue, probably justifiably, that was his best period in the Norwich shirt. Um, when he really was adding that assist element to his game on a regular, consistent basis. Um, so maybe of those players we've mentioned, Onel can step up, and if he stays clear of injury, can be that player. But um, that's not going to be enough to go into this season with, is it? So hence why, even prior to Science's injury, they were looking in wide areas. If that was the case before, they'll certainly be looking at that now. And um, and if they don't, then I, it, you know, unless they get that attacking breakthrough from from being a bit more creative and, and maybe less looking in the wider areas or you think a Stacey who we've seen can offer you that or a Yanulis on the other side and you get your, your width from your fullbacks but your threat comes from Mazzara in the middle or Nunes or Gibbs type players um, so be it but, but I don't feel David Wagner wants to go that route I think he wants wide players who can really affect the play and offer goals and assists on a regular basis and you know, it's it's you have to be brutally honest. Those players already in the building, none of those you couldn't sit here right now and say they will deliver you double figures in goals and assists this coming season. It, it, there simply isn't enough evidence to suggest that is going to be the case, and that's a problem because if they are, they either have a breakthrough moment and then we're talking about Pojeta and Zolis as really good, influential players for Norwich in terms of a starting conversation or. We get more of the same and you, you find them dropping out and onto the periphery again and then probably ends with loan spells or maybe moving on down the line. So, 
yeah, I think in the wider, broader discussion on final third and creativity and chance creation within that, for me, the biggest issue is those wide players and maybe trying to find some upgrades, I think. Yeah, and I, I think there's some, some possessional issues as well. They need to sort of like say at the moment, it kind of feels like the only real outlook they have from an attacking perspective is that big, long diagonal ball that perhaps we see, we saw Shane Duffy play one to Yanulis yesterday and we saw them work on it in training. You'd like to see a, a few alternatives and we saw a bit of that, I think, to be fair, in the opening 30 minutes when Nunez was, was really bright against Kaiser Schlauten yesterday before they then pinned him, pinned him back in and, and almost then from there we were able to sort of control Norwich. I agree with your, your points about Onel Hernandez. I think he is probably the one that you look at at the moment as maybe even being the only one who, who, can, who can make a, a tangible impact and by that I mean frontline option, not coming off the bench, etc, etc at, at this stage. Which probably leans, leans me to you, Adam, to, to say, do you think any of those wide players have taken a step forward? For as much as we've spoken about Shemeswap, Boeta being lively and maybe looking better, and uh, John Rowe, again, at points, I still think he's very raw, by the way. Um, David Wagner picked out Tony Springett and said a couple of his contributions had, had been really good. Christos Solis is obviously lingering in the background. I, I, I felt he had a tough night at Darmstadt. Uh, we didn't really see too much of him at, at Kaiser Schlauten yesterday. Do you think any of them have advanced their claims enough to be involved in, in that in that conversation moving into the start of the season? Probably not, if I'm being honest. As Paddy already spoke about, goals and assists is the measure that you're going to take of most of your wingers. And you know, one goal, one assist so far in four games is you know is, is not good enough. And that's all come from Blahetta. So um, he's probably the one that's maybe marginally taken a step forward. Of course, had you know a pretty disrupted spell at Norwich with loan moves and injuries and. He's obviously been dug out for various criticism as well at different points for the money they paid for him, you know, and obviously retrospect the uh, sort of what he's given the football club back has, you know, not been to the to the sort of levels of what they paid for him. So he's probably the one that maybe I'd be tempted to throw in at some point early on in the season just to see how he gets on. But slightly concerned he's maybe in sort of the Daniel Sinani mould where we saw sort of lots of bright sparks from him last time in pre-season and maybe start the season quite well but swiftly faded and obviously that's ended up with him being shifted out the Carrow door so he's probably the only one I mean Jollis looks in very good shape but so far again nothing to really tangibly suggest that he's making you know sort of sort of well pushing on David Wagner's door knocking on his door and saying look I need to be starting games I've certainly not seen anything from that and on L we've seen flashes again of him and I think the one thing he's got is he has proved himself at different points in the championship so maybe he's got that little bit of track record track record maybe that's sort of in the bank behind him but um yeah, certainly big concerns in terms of wide players for me. I mean, you know, if there's not a couple more through the door before the opening game against Hull, then uh, I fear the worst that there's not going to be many goals to, to celebrate a Cow Road and Samba Di Gennaro won't be playing for yeah. quite a while quite a while longer, unfortunately. Yeah, we, we heard it in a restaurant a couple of nights ago. And it's the first time I've heard it since uh, Marquinhos scored against Cardiff, I think, and that was in February. Dear me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting... Uh, ben Lee, who, who does some... Ana, uh, ana, analysis bits I can't speak uh, did some, does some analysis bits for us really good bits as well um, included a quote from Jurgen Klopp who we know obviously David Wagner is is very influenced by their very similar styles of play to the point where actually a lot of what Norwich have done sort of out of possession in, sorry in possession with their build-up has resembled the changes that Liverpool made when bringing Alexander-Arnold into midfield and that's helped them solidify a similar kind of thing with Norwich not exactly the same but similar kind of principles um, there's a quote in there from Jurgen Klopp about how on the theme of creativity, that counter-pressing can be better than any playmaker because of obviously you win those those moments in transition, you have space to attack, you can create overloads and that is where the, the creation from chances come. Do you see a scenario, Pad, where we end up with that, where Norwich are relying on the system 
as opposed to maybe the conversation that we've had about individuals to create those opportunities that they need to, to, to win games in the championship. And I guess as a second part to that question, does that mean a change of approach from everyone in terms of how we look at games? Because it feels, again, maybe, I'm not speaking for everyone here because it's a subjective view, right? But to some people, dominating a championship football game, they'll want to see Norwich play with lots of possession, um, be really creative in attacking areas with the ball, uh, kind of maybe some, some really intelligent technical um, decisions in, in, in the final third. Are we going to have to accept, and maybe this feeds into a conversation that we kind of had on the last podcast, that Norwich aren't going to have as much possession as they had last season, aren't going to be maybe as, much, as dominant with the ball in games, if we are going to move to a system whereby Norwich are relying on the structure of it to create the chances for them rather than the personnel? Well, two points on that. I mean, if, if that's born out of what Liverpool have done, that's all well and good, but Liverpool have individual game changers. You know, most, it's, it's the idea, most I guess, isn't it? It's, it's that idea of. I know, but if that, winning. but what we're saying is, if if Liverpool have a system based on that, it's not just the system for Liverpool, is it? It is because they have X Factor players. They have a uh, Mane before Firmino in his pomp. You know, maybe Gakpo now, and um, as I say, the main man, uh, Mo Salah. So. I, th- I don't think it's one or the other for me. I, th- I, I think you can have you can have that robust system and, and the counter-pressing element of it, which is definitely something David Wagner wants to incorporate um, because that's that's in his DNA, as you say, as a coach and the size that he's built elsewhere. But I think you do need the individuals within that system to, to maybe, you know, br- bring it further forward and add another dimension. I mean, on the counter-pressing one, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think he would be delighted if... Possibly now because there'll be less expectation outwardly on Norwich in the Championship. You know, you look at the teams that are coming down now. Leicester, Leeds, we know all about, and, and Southampton, uh, Middlesbrough had a very good season. Coventry will feel that might that it can kick on again from what they did in the playoffs. Sunderland, consequently, that there, there may be probably less respect isn't the right phrase, but opponents won't fear playing Norwich now because it's coming off the back of a very poor season by their previous standards in the Championship. And as a result, and you look at the best games Wagner's had as a Norwich coach, it's counter-pressing, it's counter-attacking types of games. Blackburn away. Blackburn dominated the possession and the territory that day. Bang, Norwich on the counter. Zara, Hernandez, um, Liam Gibbs that day for the first goal. Early in his reign, Preston away, Coventry away. Both those teams, when they were vulnerable, Norwich were devastatingly good and effective on the counter. And, I, and you go back to that Huddersfield team where a lot of David built his co- coaching reputation on, that team that got out of the championship, stayed in the Premier League. Certainly the championship iteration, counter-attacking. You know, they, they were brilliant at but that, bringing that teams on. That into the then, point, doesn't it, that it might be that Norwich's greatest asset from a creative perspective is the structure that he's trying to create, not necessarily maybe the, the conventional way that we would think of creativity as a player or two players, if you kind of get what, what I mean with that. So, so that yeah, maybe mean. it needs a shift in mindset in that regard. I'm, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it, but, but if, it's but, an, it's but an if idea. But if the players aren't good enough, then course, it doesn't, ma- yeah, doesn't matter about the system, does it? That's, that's what I, my point would be. You know, you, you can have that type of system and the onus is on the collective and counter-pressing to force those high turnovers but if the players who are forcing the turners aren't good enough to create the goals and assists from, from, from those potential opportunities, I don't think the system is, is of itself going to accelerate Norwich's development of Wagner. I think within that system, that's fine, but you need to have the raw material and the resource that, that is good enough to maximise any, any 
sort of positional or structural upside you get from a system which is a cohesive pressing and, and you can see in these games Norwich are pressing from the front you know Barnes Sargent that certainly out here that they, they have tried to press and cohesively press and press in packs and not in individual pressing which is a complete waste of time so again I think you can see those facets in what he's trying to do but I would still contend that you know if the raw material in those forward thinking areas isn't good enough when it when the real business comes along then it may incrementally move them further forward, but is it going to get them to the point from 13th to contending for promotion? And I would say not, not unless you've got the personnel to, to uh, really get you there. Because, I mean, you know, draw a parallel. Who were the best side in the, in the championship last season by mile? Burnley. Burnley had a tremendously effective system of play in and out of possession. But did they have some seriously good players in wide areas? Um, yes, they did. Um, and really... You know, Zahori and, and um, Nathan Teller, wasn't it, as well? And, yeah. and obviously Barnes was in and around there as well, and Jay Rodriguez. You know, they had they had individual talent within a, a, a very, very effective system of play. And, and I'm, I'm sure that's where Wagner would be looking at because they, they set the standard last season and it won't be enough to have one without the other for me. So, yeah, take, take your point. What, what he's maybe trying to do is maybe offset what he doesn't have in terms of the quality with the system. But I don't... If he go, if he is going down that path, and he doesn't upgrade sufficiently in terms of the player in the final third, then I don't think you're going to get from where they were to where they need to get to. Yeah, and I completely agree. To to some extent, this is a similar debate to we had uh, to the one we had around the defensive midfielder, right, on the last pod, where maybe people have this idea of what one is, and maybe it isn't what. David Wagner wants or needs for his particular system, which is maybe why Norwich have ended up with quite a lot of midfielders that are same-ish, because that, it, that kind of works with what he wants to do. And also maybe, uh, as we've discussed, quite a few wingers who are quite same-ish as well. But that kind of athleticism and, and that quality point, I think, is, is an apt one. You need better quality to, uh, to, to play in that way. What I, what I would add as well to this debate is if Norwich can consistently improve their, the defensive aspects of, of their game, which uh, you know um, David Wagner has done throughout his career. He made Huddersfield pretty good defensively. Schalke were pretty good defensively in, in points. I think, they had a, I think they went up with a minus goal difference, didn't they? They did. When they got promoted by the playoffs. They did, which, which again kind of emphasises the point that if they can get that, and, and the point that I was going to make, if they can get that end of the pitch right, then actually maybe they don't need to be as creative as, as perhaps people think they need to be. They just need to score one or whatever. So maybe that's where he's, he's trying to get Norwich to. I think it's a, a very interesting um, discussion. Just finally then, then Adam, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end this part of, of the pod. Um, on, on that point, would that, would that be the concern for you in terms of what we've seen from David Wagner as a coach and his track record? We're talking a lot about this Norwich City team needing to improve. He, as, again, as we've kind of discussed, maybe hasn't been able to do that consistently with teams. And I've, we spoke about this when he was a, a, appointed. There have always kind of been issues with the ways that his team have built up or created chances, particularly in, in open play. As an Norwich fan, would that concern you right now? The fact that maybe the aspects that we're talking about is the aspect that he's found most challenging throughout his coaching career as well? Yeah, I think the fact, well, the majority of his sort of managerial career has been built on the success of those sort of, well, season out of the championship and then the one sustained period that he had in the Premier League with Huddersfield, uh, you know, prior to leaving. But obviously, yeah, he had issues at Schalke, had issues at Young Boys, and a lot of it is the same issues that we're now currently seeing at Norwich City. And unfortunately, other than maybe the defensive side of it, we're not really seeing major improvements. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% certain that Norwich fans will enjoy a brand of football where it is literally built on trying to maybe get 1-0 wins where you're hitting the team on the counter. 
that's maybe not the style of football that I'd want to watch either, uh, especially when you sort of had the, the days of, you know, Daniel Farkas, uh, you know, four threes and various other score lines, which, you know, maybe from an entertainment perspective, if I'm a, a paying punter, then I'd maybe more enjoy that, you know, that style of football than uh, the one nils. Then I think, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting season. I'm not sure if it doesn't go to plan and Norwich do concede goals early, which was majorly an issue last season especially with the lack of confidence and then maybe as well a bit of a lack of creativity and if those counter counter opportunities don't arise then Norwich maybe aren't going to have that potent threat up front to be able to score goals then yeah I could see them leaking goals and then you know then then you've got a big issue because you're not scoring goals and you may be conceding goals and losing games so it it's important that probably well one they get a good start but two that this system does you know they need the players for for what he wants to play quickly through the door, and you know I think there's a question that we'll probably come around to, which is sort of random saying he wanted 80% of his squad in place for Germany. I mean the sort of weeks are ticking down now, and the, you know it's soon going to be the the opening game of the season, and yeah, currently with what they've got in the door, I'm I'm not 100% certain they've got the players to fully you know equip to to David Wagner's system. Which seems like an apt place to end part one of the pod. Um, we are, of course, in, in Germany. We have been uh, all week and throughout Norwich City's tour. We'll also be in Holland uh, next week for the game against Alkmaar. And that is and also in Austria the, the week after for the game against Toulouse in Kufstein. And that's uh, thanks to our sponsors, our, our partners, uh, Cavill Healthcare, who have uh, supported us. And we're delighted to have them supporting us for this uh, for this trip. They do some excellent work in East Anglia with care. So if you're looking for a job in care or uh, you want some care for, for a loved one, then they're, they're the place to go. We'll leave all of their relevant details below. Whether you're watching this or whether you're listening to this, um, they should be you should be able to find them. So go and check those guys out. And uh, we'll leave you with a little message uh, from them before we come back for part two of the podcast. Over the last few years, we've all been acutely aware of the importance of not just our health, but the health of those around us, particularly the most vulnerable of those in our family and our wider society. And that is why here at The Pink, and we're absolutely delighted to be partnering with the wonderful Cabell Healthcare, one of the region's leading and award-winning healthcare companies and providers uh, for the entirety of Norwich City's pre-season tour and our, obviously our coverage of it. We couldn't be happier to support a local company that provides and does such good work in terms of helping people and is recognised by both its staff and those people that it provides for as a industry leader in the local area. They really are the place to go for care. For them, it's not just a job but a career. They truly do put your loved one at the centre of their approach to care whilst keeping you up to date and in the room with any conversations around the ongoing support that they provide. They're also a wonderful company if you're looking for a career in healthcare. For more details on this, visit their website www.cavillhealthcare.co.uk or visit their various social media platforms. Cavill Healthcare, heritage in caring. Thanks again to Cavill Healthcare for their support on this trip. Um, it's, it's interesting the way we left that debate. We're kind of talking a lot about systems and structures, and it's, it's interesting. It kind of makes me uh, think back to the, the debate we had around Dean Smith, where there was a lot of conversation around kind of what Norwich City fans wanted. And like, we can't speak for Norwich City fans. As I said, it's subjective. Everyone feels differently. But uh, at that point, it felt like there was Norwich fans wanted a commitment to a style of play and a system and a, a brand of football, which David Wagner certainly brings. I, I don't think you can you can dispute that really. It's quite specific. <laughs> would be the point that I would make, and it's it's interesting because 
when you are embarking on this journey of implementing a new style of play, and we saw this again with Daniel Farker, you need credit in the bank, you need good messaging, probably, good PR. He doesn't really have, and probably credit in the bank as well, or maybe a, at least a, a, a bit or a view that maybe it's going somewhere. And it's interesting, a lot of that debate, Pad, we spoke about uh, sort of hinging on tobacco last season and how that was so negative. And you know, we've already heard people talking about, and, and fans and, and, and other people as well, about how crucial that start of the season is. We're, we're sat here, what, 20 days or so to the start of the season, and we're still saying he hasn't got key p pieces of his system. It's going to be really difficult for him if they don't arrive because he doesn't have that goodwill to... I guess by his time, does he, at the start of the season, and, and, and that goodwill that people will go with him if, if those aren't in place. There's a lot of expectation that's going to be put on him and his system and his way of playing, and maybe actually the success of that is in the in the hands of Stuart Webber at the moment when it comes to recruitment. So it's it's an it's an interesting situation that we're in at this moment. Yeah, there's a lot, and there's a lot of facets to that because we're. we're framing it in terms of inward business, but you've got the situation yeah. with Aaron's, you've got the situation with Sheets or Omabama Daily. Um, I think there's an expectation he moves on as well. And, and that all has a knock-on impacts. You know, it's fine in terms of the finances they might generate. Heckled by a ship here. <laughs> I know, yeah. That's a new one, yeah. He's not an Ipswich fan, is he? It's, uh, that's the long, one of the longest boats I've ever seen. What's, uh, I can't read the name of it. Some sort of container ship, isn't it? Yeah, it's Ipswich Blue, but we, we won't digress from that one. Um, completely lost my train of thought. But uh, yeah, so, and also, and I wrote about that again today in the point is, you know, there is this sense that as much as it's adding new faces, they've already got, you know, 25 were out here in Germany, mm. um, not including one or two back home who didn't travel, younger ones or were injured, or Aaron's or Rashid's, uh, those type Sarah of players. Sarah didn't play. Sarah as well. So I think there'll have to be an element of trim to this as well, you know, may, more so the younger uh, players, you know, the spring hits maybe. If Rowe's not deemed to be part of it, does he move on And in terms of loans? And, and some of those younger centre-backs, of course, we wait to see, you know, how... how um, long-term, this Jonathan Tompkinson ankle ligament injuries from, from Saturday's game. But there's a lot of plates that he has to shift while the main business of all of this is preparing to hit the ground running from August uh, the 5th against Hull. And while it's in certain respects when we're discussing what's going on with Norwich this summer, it probably is unfair to hark back to last season yeah. um, and, and the overhang of that. I think in the very narrower confines of the sense around David Wagner and how he needs to get off to a good start, that in, inescapably is interlinked intrinsically with one win in 13, with, with an abject downward spiral in performance and results and lack of goals, the Cara Road factor, an, an ending misery at Cara Road for, for too many months towards the back end of the season. Um, and we know that the, the toxicity that unleashed in the direction of the sporting director and the club more broadly. So, You'd be very naive to think that that goes away with a, a new season, a new kit, one or two new players. No, that will only be dispelled if, I don't know, five, ten games in, they've got points on the board, they're winning games, there's a sense of a, a footballing strategy coming together that's robust and effective in the Championship. And if none of those things are in place after five, ten games, he will start to feel the heat, no doubt about it. Externally, I'm talking about, you know, because I don't think the fan base certainly those long-suffering ones at Car Road are going to stomach many more Car Road games to the ones they got served up from February onwards. And that's, if you don't, if you're David Wagner and you're not expecting that or, or Stuart Webber or anybody in that club, 
then you know I'd be very surprised. They will know full well that it's imperative for, for to shift the mood. You know, as much as you can shift the mood with you know a, a reasonably positive pre-season, some new signings in the building who look like they can improve what what was in the mix. The only thing that's really going to shift the mood is when it comes round to three points on a Saturday or a Tuesday that Norwich are in a position now to actually feel that they can accumulate enough to be at the right end of the table and in that top six conversation. Yeah, which which probably segues us nicely, Adam, into into where we currently find ourselves in the transfer business. And we'll come on to, to some of the questions that we've received from, from listeners. Um, so thank you to everyone who, who sends them in. And we, we tend to put a tweet out or a Facebook post out if you'd like to come and ask us a question. Or, of course, there are uh, more conventional methods, I guess. You can email or uh, you can even write us a letter if you want. I think you can still do that, can't they? So if you know if you want to get a question to us, there we, you can you can get you can find us, I'm sure. Um, how, are, how are you feeling about Norris? City's transfer business at the moment because as it stands I guess look we can flip this and we can add Vincente Leyes, uh, Kellen Fisher, uh, that's it isn't it? Am I, am I missing any the of the, ones, young, yeah. the, the younger ones? Well, we can add the, those type of signings to it but essentially we're talking about four first team signings at, at this stage. Did you expect more? Do you think Norwich fans expected more? Where do you think Norwich City are with their incoming business at the moment? Yeah I think it's probably been a bit of a sort of mixed message in terms of there's been five to seven figures and 80% of business done and maybe it's all sort of got into people's heads and I don't know I think there's probably an expectation that there would be more through the door obviously it's, it's hard to grasp whether, whether he meant five to seven signings at senior level or whether he included the likes of Reyes or, or Kellen Fisher in that number but I probably did think they'd have done some more business by now I mean of course nobody's exited the, the door yet either Max Aarons and Rashid's Romabama uh, Daily they're all still here in the building at the moment and I do feel like you know certainly from a sort of financial perspective Norwich won't be sort of shelling out big sums of you know money for for anyone well coming through the door until probably some of those players are, are seen exiting so um yeah, I would have liked to have seen one or two more through the door by now, particularly when you look at the you know sort of the calendar and, and that first game of the season is is coming around quite quickly now. And interesting line at the end of your, your interview yesterday with David Wagner, he maybe intimated that there might be one more before Austria. Um, I would hope that's probably a winger. That would be that would be really handy, particularly you know if you go back to the early part of this podcast and what we were talking about. They certainly need players in those areas. So um, I think we'll probably start to see some loan players and you know a few sort of. Players with fees attached maybe you know arrive sooner rather than later, but um, I think it probably does hinge on an exit before as well. Um, hopefully the Rashica deal can be sorted sooner rather than later because he's a player who's clearly not interested in, in playing for Norwich in the Championship. So um, you know it's better to bank the, the cash and hopefully have something to then go on and you know spend it in the Championship. Where you know if Max Aarons is still here come the end of the transfer window, you know that he'll just knuckle down. He's the ultimate professional. So not you know as stressed about that situation but um, I can understand the fans frustrations because I think I'm getting it myself you know there's no transfer rumours going around at the moment either to sort of maybe get fans a little bit excited about it. it's all gone very quiet so um, hopefully in the coming weeks it will ramp up again. Yeah similar, similar question to you really Paddy because you, you asked David Wagner this after Darmstadt on, on Wednesday um, which is should supporters be concerned about about the transfer business and, and I guess maybe lack of in, in terms of an incoming perspective and naturally as Adam's mapped out there it is intrinsically linked to, to what they you know who departs and, and we, we've explained that beforehand and of course David Wagner answered it in a very diplomatic way that, that a football manager should write but I'm going to ask you a, a, a similar question. Would you be concerned if you're an Norwich City fan right now, looking at everything that we've discussed around that squad, seeing Jonathan Tompkinson get stretched off with his uh, with what David Wagner described as a serious injury? 
with Norwich sat, as we said, around 20 days before the season, four in, probably lots more areas that you could identify as, as perhaps needing strengthening. Whether they'd be able to do them all this summer is probably a different debate. Should Norwich fans be concerned with where they are at the moment? Well, I wouldn't want to speak for Norwich fans, but if I, and as a lot of this podcast has talked about, the top areas of the pitch, just break it down. Timmy Puki departs, Ashley Barnes comes in, that's one for one. Not saying like for like in terms of type of player, just one striker yeah. out, one senior striker in. They bring in Borja Science. Unfortunately, no fault, nobody's fault. He's injured, he's out till October. So effectively, you've not got that player. Which, which we're looking at as maybe someone to replace Kieran Dowell and that type of thing, if you, if you wanted to do the yeah. one for one. Yeah, well, it was, it was more a case of like, He's not really in the in the mix, yeah, yeah, certainly yeah. at the start of the season. Yeah. So so they haven't moved any further forward in terms of improving what they had at the top end of the pitch. So from that point of view, yes, you probably are a little bit con- concerned if you're a Norwich fan because those players palpably were not good enough towards the back end of last season. Um, and does Ashley Barnes elevate them completely the other direction? Not on his own, not for me, no. So I think if science had been fit and, have, and was now already starting to show yes this is a lad who could really take the championship by storm I think it the mood would be radically different in terms of yes we know that they'll do some more business but we're not actually too concerned right here right now because we've got this guy in and Barnes is in and you can see now they do look a threat in the final third sadly the cards that have been dealt them are that isn't the case which is why I, I, I think it's imperative that they do try and address the top end of the pitch I, I think Defensively, that will have a life of its own, depending on what happens with Aarons, depending on what happens with um, Obama Daly, and probably now what happens with Tompkinson and his injury uh, confirmation, the prognosis on that. Midfield, they're very well stocked there, I feel. Um, so for me, the focus is all about the top end of the pitch in terms of strengthening what, what's in the building now, brackets, what's available to them, because we know science from October onwards, hopefully will be uh, adds an extra dimension, but... Um, you know, it's a long time between now and October, isn't it? So, yeah, unless, as I say, unless in these next three pre-season games, Pueta, Rowe, Hernandez, Jolis really put their hand up and the goals and the assists start to flow, Adam Eder as well in that equation, then what is there to tell you that it's any different from the back end of last season? Yeah, collect your winnings, by the way. If you had um, pre-season friendly number four as the first game Norwich would play without, uh, well, being forced to play someone who's not a recognised centre-back at centre-back, by the way. We saw that with Jack Stacey. Again, no fault of their own. And Ben Gibson and, and whatnot had gone off. So, uh, but, yeah, I'm sure there will... Uh, even, part of me found that a little bit... Um, a little bit humorous. It, 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 is an, it is an interesting one, though, on, on this, Adam, because, again, we, we've spoken numerous times about how important the start of the season is for David Wagner, for Norwich City. There's, there's clearly going to be an overlap now in terms of when the season starts. It's uh, looking at, the, at this stage pretty unlikely that their business is going to be finalised. So, I mean, it can be really damaging, can't it, for him? If, if Norwich don't have the options that maybe we're speaking about in the building by that point, or... Um, you know, those early games in the championship season come too early for him. Well, by that point, the clock could already be ticking for David Wagner. It's not an ideal situation for, for Norwich to be in at the moment. 
No, certainly from a transfer perspective, I mean, you know, it depends on where a lot of the business is going to be done. But you can imagine if it gets, you know, later on in the window and they're bringing in players from Brazil or, you know, elsewhere or across, you know, Europe or wherever it might be, these players are going to take time to adapt. So it's not just a case of they're arriving late in the window when the season's already started. It's also that adaptation time, as we saw with Zara. We didn't really get, you know, the best out of him until probably, what, January, February time. And Nunez is only really now starting to maybe, you know, starting to show some flashes of what he's about. So, um, I think you know most Norwich fans would would have preferred to see more players through the door early, and I think David Wagner as well. You know the eighty percent of the business line was was the one he came out with, and you know whether that was sort of linked in as well with the business at the door. We know that Max Aaron's you know has obviously been away with the England under twenty one, so that's obviously you know stalled any potential negotiations with transfers over that period. And on Bama Daily, you know you can imagine they'll be you know wanting to try and get the sort of max premium price for him, and there will be clubs desperate for centre backs, you know particularly sort of in the top leagues in Europe that will maybe come in later in the window and obviously they've also got the issue with Rashica and Galatasaray they're sort of trying to strike a deal there and there's lots of complications around that one so obviously there is those factors in play that Norwich are maybe a little bit restricted on what they can do because they are waiting for certain players to, to leave the, the football club um, but yeah I think I would have felt much more happy now if they had maybe you know a couple more wingers through the door and and maybe you know we're starting to see some really bright signs from them in pre-season and they've still got another you know three weeks to bed into the squad and bed into Norfolk and kind of get used to the surroundings um certainly yeah you don't really want to be signing players a few days before the start of the season and you know sort of thrusting them straight into the starting 11 because you know that doesn't typically end very well so um yeah alarm bells slightly still ringing in my head but um Thankfully, on paper, they have got a relatively nice start. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they can still put some points on the board. Yeah, and, and fingers crossed, these early concerns, as Paddy said earlier, are um, eliminated as we move deeper into pre-season as well, which would be nice. That probably uh, moves us on nicely to some of your questions. As I said earlier, you can you can send them in to us. We, we always put something out, or you tend to put something out, uh, inviting them unless we're overwhelmed with topics. Um, we like to, to hear from you guys as well. And we've got a, a fair few on Twitter and Facebook to rattle through. Certainly a lot of defensive midfield once again, which we spoke about on the last podcast. So uh, if you ask a question about a defensive midfielder and you're wondering why it hasn't been answered, Go and check out the last podcast that we did uh, and you'll get your answer there because it hasn't, it hasn't shifted on that front. Um, we, we're speaking about recruitment, so it seems like a, an apt place. You mentioned that, that quote from, from Stuart Webber in 80%. Uh, Paul Frewer on um, Twitter has asked, do you think uh, Wagner was anywhere near his hope for 80% of business completed before Germany? I'll probably switch Webber and Wagner because it was a Webber quote, not a, not a David Wagner quote. But... Um, yeah, do, do you think Norwich are anywhere near that 80% target at this moment in time? Oh, who knows, who knows? I mean, you know, it's 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 clear to me that wide areas, they, they're still one or two short now. Um, but other than that, in a hypothetical scenario, Omabama daily doesn't go, uh, Max doesn't go, then why would they go into the market to bring in defenders? They, they just wouldn't do that. So... It, again, I go back to David's rather cryptic quote. Not quite Eric Cantona and fishes and trawlers, <laughs> given we're behind boats here. But uh, great philosopher. Yeah, but uh, in Germany we have a saying: once one stone falls, all the others fall as well. So, if that stone is an Aaron's or Bamadeli moving on, and then that triggers, you know, inward, um, then it doesn't really matter what figure was put on what time frame at what point of pre-season. They're now in the lap of other elements need to come together and, and other parties obviously need to come together in terms of outs. I think Rashica will get done. There's more quotes from Galatasaray and today, Sunday, saying talks are ongoing. So 
the player wants that. I think the players agreed terms with Galatasaray personal terms. So I don't think there's, there's too much that's going to hold that deal up. Get from, that's get, that's from an interesting done. one, isn't it? Because from, from Norwich's perspective, that becomes really tough to hold out for because Galatasaray will know Rashica wants to go there. They probably know Norwich want to sell as well. So It needs tangible other interest, yeah, doesn't it? And exactly. we, know, we know there's four or five clubs in Germany who have registered interest. But again, if, if Rashica and his representatives are saying, no, he just wants Galatasaray, again, that makes it very difficult for Norwich, doesn't it? They probably don't hold all the cards necessarily well, in I that mean, particular what, saga. But, I mean, the, the messaging from David, I mean, he when you asked him, yeah. it was it, the question was, about how Tompkins it is. He finished yeah. it by answering about Aaron's and Rashita. For me, quite clearly, that was a message to uh, maybe certain parties who uh, might be feeling that they can keep Norwich over a barrel that, no, hang on, uh, if we don't get the bid we deem acceptable for those two players, they'll be here, they'll be training, they'll be part of my squad until otherwise I'm told different. So, you know, I don't think I don't think Norwich are in a weak position with them. I think, if anything, it's Galatasaray's move now because, you know, they're... they're Ultimately, the guy's under contract. We're just talking purely about Rashica. Norwich don't have to do anything. If you take David at his word, as he has been very keen to stress all through this summer, they're not in financially a position where they have to sell. They will sell if it makes sense for them, but they don't have to sell. It's not they're keeping the bank manager happy um, in that respect. So I, I, I think that will, will get done. Um, and as I say... You know, the original question is, is Wagner going to be happy where they are at the minute? Well, it, he's been asked by you and me after these last two games and he's, he's, he's seemingly very content with the pace of their transfer business, what they've done so far, what they hope to do from here to the end of the, the summer. And, and maybe he wouldn't convey anything else in, in more of a public setting. But, you know, I think him and Stuart are in lockstep on this process this summer and... Um, while science clearly is a huge blow because I think they had earmarked him for, for a major part of their transfer strategy. Unfortunately, that isn't going to be the case in the short term, so they'll have to go again. But you can be sure if science was top of their target list in terms of wide players, they'd have had lots of scouting work done, that they had other targets they could have dropped down and, and maybe now they're going to maybe look in those areas. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't get any sense. Wagner's unhappy, but but I'm I'm loath to get to get hung up on. They said they'd have done X amount of deals by this stage because, you know, as Borja Science has proven visibly, events dear boy events, isn't it? You know, no nobody could have foreseen or at least hoped that you know a new signing in his second training session goes over on his ankle and he's out until October. Um, you know, that's just a really bad break for all concerned, isn't it? But you know. That's football, I think, as David said, uh, when he announced the news. And, uh, you know, they've got plenty of time between now and the end of the window to actually address those issues. So so that shouldn't be used as an excuse that they, they can still go out and supplement what they need to do, but certainly from my point of view, in terms of wide areas, definitely. Yeah, and like we said earlier, there's, there's an acknowledgement. And I think after the, the first three signings, definitely, when Norwich had signed more than any other championship club at that point, there was certainly no one talking about lack of signings. So, again, as you say, it's it's just where we are, I think, in the transfer window. And it's also natural, I guess, for, for fans to feel like that. But let's let's see how it ends up at the end of, uh, of the season and, and oh, end of the, the window, sorry. My, my my hope is, and, you know, as, as we've said throughout this, they... I think they will do more. I think they're likely to do more. Uh, Stuart Webber in his, in his post-season media spoke about maybe not changing enough last summer. You just hope those regrets um, aren't, aren't the same moving into, uh, into this season. Um, 
Question from, from Chris Holmes and from uh, Munchmeat on Twitter. I'm going to combine the two. Uh, Chris has said the latest on Gabriel Sara's return, which I'll answer. Uh, we, as uh, they've done, a, it was on Friday, um, they held a, an open training session at Darmstadt. Uh, Gabriel Sara was involved in all of that. So uh, he is not a million miles away. He partaked in, in all of the particular sessions. Uh, obviously didn't feature yesterday. That was deemed to be a little bit too soon. Um, wouldn't surprise me if we saw him at Alkmaar, but if not, definitely Austria. Uh, obviously an appendix operation, so one that needs to be managed a little bit more cautious, cautiously. And then I'll attach uh, Munchmeat's question, Adam, and I'll throw it at you, which involves Sarah, but, but also Nunez. Uh, and they are asking which are their optimal positions. Um, we've obviously seen Nunez in, in pre-season playing a slightly deeper role. We've seen him play as a number 10. Um, we've seen him play as a, a double pivot. Where do you think Nunez and Gabriel Sarah are, are best suited in, in this Norwich City? Team. Yeah, well, I was actually really impressed with Nunez uh, against Darmstadt playing in the number 10 role, of course, got his goal and he looked really creative, almost, well, obviously a very different player to the likes of Emi Buendia, but you can certainly see he's got a pass in him which could probably unlock certain defences in the Championship. So for me, based on what I've seen, I, I could probably see him playing in that number 10 role. I thought, yeah, that was probably the position that I felt he's looked more comfortable in, where, where Gabriel Sara, based on David Wagner's opinion, will probably more likely play alongside of Kenny McLean a little bit deeper, but obviously, of course, he will be, you know, have the opportunity, as we saw at the end, sort of the end of last season, where he will get himself in and around the box for shooting off opportunities to try and score goals of course I think in previous times at, at Sao Paulo he has played in that slightly more advanced attacking position but I think probably if you take the David Wagner at his word I could probably see him being the one who plays slightly more deeper with uh, with Kenny McLean when he's uh, when he start the championship season or, or Liam Gibbs so um, yeah Nunez though for me I'd like to see him in that number 10 role against Hull really like you know to see maybe what he can do in the championship in that position because I, I didn't necessarily feel at certain points last season him playing deeper is, is where he maybe wanted to play uh, he sort of if you looked at his sort of facial expressions against Darmstadt he looked more comfortable and sort of in his natural habitat playing the number 10 so um, of course that's up to Norwich fans to maybe make their own opinion on that but of course it would be David Wagner who ultimately will make the final decision on where he sees those players but um, yeah certainly if I saw the opening day team sheet and Sarah and McLean were the sort of two with Nunes slightly further advanced, then I would be relatively happy with that. Yeah, and I, th I think um, I think Nunez has, has, has looked good in, uh, in 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 both positions actually that he's played. He's had a pretty decent pre-season. Um, Alex uh, Bainham has asked Paddy, are there any fringe players, including youth, who have played themselves into the first team squad? One player that I that immediately sprang to mind when I when I thought of this was was Kellen Fisher. I think yeah. he's he's been he's been really good, really promising in, in the bits that we we haven't seen too much of him, but the bits that we have seen of him and clearly clearly still raw and you know I don't think we're saying he's going to be a frontline option or anything like that, but he's uh, he's not done himself any harm, has he? Well, I think we we had this conversation, and if you're being honest. Out of him or Mumba, who's who's caught the eye more, and, yeah. and you'd have to say that that young man, even younger than Mumba, and uh, it was a nice anecdote told to me by uh, one of the city officials yesterday that when Callum Fisher, bearing in mind his backstory, you know he's come from non-league Bromley, when he first walked out into the pitch at the Fritz Walter, he he, he was almost uh, in awe of the, of his surroundings and probably just can't quite believe how his how his life and his career is moving at a pace. And um, but that said. And okay, it's the caveat that it's early in pre-season. He, he looks quite fearless. It, it, it doesn't seem to phase him. And, and naturally now, some of the media that accompanied him from Bromley, they spoke about when he first broke in there as an even younger player. He just took it in his stride. He just felt he belonged in that company with grown men. And 
um, and was able to step up and his performance levels. And so far, with huge caveats, uh, he doesn't look out of place. So, yeah, I, I think if he continues on the same trajectory, he's more likely to be, bearing in mind you can name nine subs uh, in the Championship this coming season. At the outset, I could see him being in the, the first-team mix for a, for a matchday squad place. Uh, I don't see him getting dispatched to the development slash a back out on loan anytime soon. I think he's... Um, He's really added something because he, he brings that sort of enthusiasm and probably that that wide-eyed innocence element. But but that can be infectious and rub off on others. And to answer the question, yeah, I think him and and Johnny Rowe as well. I mean, worth reiterating that pretty much wrecked season last season through yeah. injury. But prior to that, you know, he just had his Premier League breakthrough. Looked like he was going to be the next cab off the rank in terms of exciting young players to come out of the academy. He's probably grown up and probably matured. I mean, I think you spoke to him, didn't you, after Kings Lynn, wasn't it? And he talked about how he turned those negative experiences into positive vibes. He's pure vibes. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, and I, some of the things he does, I quite like. He's, yeah, he's very raw and uh, combative. Not always in the, in the channeled in the right areas. <laughs> you know, he got booked at Darmstadt, but he could have got booked for about three previous challenges, and he just needs to dial that enthusiasm slash aggression down or channel it but um, but of that younger clutch I think those two have stood out for me in pre-season and uh, yeah I think if they continue the way they're going then it'd be very hard for David to sort of um, at least at the outset not have them in his thoughts for them for a match day 20 He's uh, yeah Callum Fisher he's, he's had a bit of the Max Aarons about him in terms and I mean this purely in terms of what you said there about mentality as in just sort of throwing him in a situation and him kind of going oh yeah alright then I'll, I'll, I'll do that that's uh, He's uh, yeah, he's been he's been good so far. Um, I think as we've probably discussed, I'm still struggling to look past Jack Stacey as, as being perhaps the, the best performer of, of preseason so far. Adam, um, it's 1:25 here uh, now. I mean, we don't fly out until when is it? 10 to 10 German time, and then we'll be back in the UK 10 past 10 UK time. Um, just give us your 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 highlights. Your your, I don't know, your review of Frankfurt. Just tell us a, a little bit about what you're taking away from, from this trip from a non-footballing perspective. You know, I've really enjoyed this week. You know, I've been to Germany once before for the previous, I don't know if it's the previous tour, but the one before that, uh, it was based in the sort of Dortmund area. But anyone that's been to Dortmund, it's kind of just a very modern city. Not really that much kind of, certainly from a cultural perspective, not sort of these nice little sort of old town sort of spots that we've managed to find in Frankfurt. Um, Anyone who watched the last podcast would see the Romerberg area. That was a particular highlight of mine, certainly from kind of a building and architecture perspective. Um, there's obviously been some nice food consumed at different points. Um, obviously, we have to highlight uh, probably the burger place we've been to twice now. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we we had a nice us like that, Paddy. <laughs> we we had a nice meal in there again last night. Um, yeah, absolutely spot on. Anyone who's who's in the Frankfurt area will have to. I'll probably have to tag the location in the uh, bio and. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, something Buta Fella, I think. I probably butchered that pronunciation, but I'll put it in the description for anyone who's in the Frankfurt area who would like to uh, to go and look for it. Uh, probably the low point was when we got locked in Kaiserslautern Stadium <laughs> yesterday. Uh, that's probably the point where I thought we actually might end up staying in Germany for the duration and probably miss the Holland tour. Uh, we literally came out of the stadium, uh, doors were all open, get to where we entered the, uh, the stadium earlier in the day, um, and they have these sort of really massive metal gates uh, with kind of spikes on the top. And uh, we go to open the, the gate, locked, tried another one, locked. We thought, oh, we'll just have to go back in the building, you know, through the door we came through. 
that had obviously locked itself on the fact we'd uh, when we came out of the door. So uh, at one point it did look like we might have to climb the ten foot drop. Uh, I was weighing it up. I was looking over it, going, oh, "Can you get over there without a broken leg? I don't know." But like Guardian Angels, uh, I don't know whether they were the Kaiserslautern media team. They were definitely in the press area. Uh, they came through and thankfully. Uh, Paddy, with uh, his limited German, managed to get uh, enough out of them to uh, to open the gate for us, and uh, we managed to make our train with uh, five or ten minutes to spare. Thankfully, a delay as well, actually, on that, so uh, which is not which is not usual for German efficiency. So uh, yeah, all in all, I've absolutely loved it. Uh, the weather at certain points has been challenging in terms of the heat. I'm not really a person for the heat, um, and obviously yesterday, the one game I probably wouldn't or one day I wouldn't have minded it being slightly more overcast and dry is the day that it absolutely you know, floods it down with rain and I'm stuck in a monsoon in sort of behind the goal at, at the fr uh, you know, Fritz Walter. So, uh, yeah, but all in all, I've absolutely loved it and really looking forward to our forthcoming trips to Holland and Austria with Cabell Healthcare, obviously, you know, providing that opportunity for us. Yes, absolutely. Paddy, give us a burst of your German. You've been, uh, no, you've been no, doing it. Come on, no, give, no. Us a, give us a burst of it. You've been... Uh, Sprechen's the English. That's, that's basically that's basically been the highlight of the of the German tour, which then they, uh, as they are brilliantly skilled over here, are able to speak English to idiots like us. Pad, same question. Highlights, low points. Give us give us your assessment of the the four days from a non-footballing perspective. I'm not going to add to Adam Judith Chalmers. Well, I Harvey. thought you'd I thought you'd want to add that you didn't have a burger. I didn't know. I had uh, I went healthy option. I had uh, what did I have? I had, had a salad. Caesar salad chick with chicken. It was probably the best Caesar salad I've had so yeah I'd recommend as Adam said that that establishment for a visit if you're in and we're Franco. open for sponsorships if they want to do that oh as well. god yeah 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 we'll, we'll come and we'll come over here and do any promotional work they need if, if we can get free food but uh I think on the footballing so I quite like ticking off two new stadiums mm. uh what over, stadium over, as well we should talk yeah. about that right oh tremendous yeah I mean the weather wasn't conducive but the and it later transpired it was only actually an attendance just under 8,000 but it sounded like about 25,000 because um, a cacophony of noise the, the acoustics inside that Kaiserslautern stadium and it holds 45,000 and by all accounts they get that every other home game and you got the sense I mean it was very much it was the cathedral on, on the hill you got off the train in um, in Kaiserslautern and then you had to basically walk up this very steep incline reminiscent of where Newcastle's ground anybody who's been there and that that sort of dominates the skyline, and and you could sense just the fan base very proud of their area and their football team, and all the roundabouts on the walk to the ground had footballing sort of models on them as well. You know, it's obviously a huge football town, and uh, yeah, I mean, if that was eight thousand, I, I don't know what forty thousand would make for a derby. I mean, it'd be a phenomenal experience. So, yeah, I think just to add to everything Adam said, I think it's been a, a very good trip, and. Uh, Probably one of the best podcasts uh, we've done, I think. Uh, that one which had weddings and apple wine donated and uh, God knows what else. Yeah, we'll struggle to beat that one, I think, for, for chaos. But uh, And then overall, yeah it's, yeah, it's been good to get out here and, and see the next two games in the in the sequence. And um, yeah, just to reiterate, Adam said, huge thanks to Cavill Healthcare. And uh, hopefully we've been able to sort of, you know, deliver uh, the content that uh, Norwich fans were, were hoping to get 
from out here and we'll we'll be in Austria and we'll be in Holland as well trying to do the same thing as well if we don't get locked in the grounds <laughs> yeah 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 uh, yeah absolutely final words uh, of the podcast pad I'll come back to you because I, I wanted to speak to you a little bit about uh, Leo who you spoke to yesterday oh, who what, uh, a legend, yeah. what a legend by the way go and watch the, the clip on I our socials if you, ha- if you haven't yeah. uh, I'll, I'll throw it over to I'll throw it over to you but um, yeah just encapsulates everything that's great about football and football supporters as well I guess yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, um, you know, we, we, we were trying to... I mean, Adam's told the story about how we we, we nearly got locked in the stadium. But we, we before the game, we barely barely got in the stadium because there was a bit of a confusion which part of the stand we had to go to to get our accreditation. And then we had to go on to the media centre because when we turned up at the media centre without these tickets, there was no, no way we were getting in. So, we anyway, limited German as well. Yeah, <laughs> so, so in that maelstrom before the game and it's raining and what have you... Um, we only got to speak to three fans, but two of them were uh, two uh, of Norwich's um, uh, doyens who, who, who come out to a lot of the tours. They've been out in Germany, uh, David and, and Leo, yeah, um, wheelchair users, and they were talking about how brilliant it's been going back to, to the access, um, to these grounds, and, and just for their accessibility purposes. But, yeah, Leo was, was quite a character and... Um, yeah, he had a novel response on the, the new home kit and whether he'd buy it or not. So I won't spoil it. But if you haven't watched that video, basically go onto the Pink and Twitter, scroll back up um, to our timeline just before the game yesterday, uh, and you'll see those two videos. But uh, as you'll see by the amount of uh, views and, and likes and love for, for that man, uh, that seems to have hit a spot. And yeah, I mean, just two guys, and you spoke to another uh, young, George, younger yeah. fan, George. Just love Norwich City and uh, love love being out here and uh, following their team, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Enjoying following your football club, and that's what we all hope we'll get this season covering Norwich, whether professionally or, or personally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A couple of uh, admin points to finish off with, but of course, if you'd like to come on uh, before a game and, and and talk to us, then uh, get, in, get in contact. I think our direct messages are open on on the Pinkham channel, so you can you can do that, uh, be it on on here or whatever. You can you can, uh, as I said, various ways to get in touch with us, which I'm, I'm sure you're all very familiar about. And then also, I wanted to say thank you as well to, to those watching on on YouTube. We've um, we've surpassed eight thousand subscribers now, and I know plenty of you uh, will be watching this who aren't subscribed to our our channel. In which case, what are you doing? So make Sure, you uh, make sure you do that, and then you'll you'll get all of our videos um, throughout. Uh, as Paddy said, the tours as well. So um, I'm just sorry, Connor, to interrupt the, your polished sign-off, but we probably and we don't really know their names, but the, the two chaps on the train as well. Going yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Going to I, I'm just I'm just going to affectionately uh, nickname them the Twenty Pint Pair. Yeah, um, but that was that was that was quite something. I mean, to be fair, they reckon it was you they recognised. Well, they did, they did, they didn't, they didn't. They sort of knew my name, and then they had me down as a commentator, and then. Work, work, Irish working and, for yeah. the club, and yeah. So I don't think they were, they were in a bad way. I don't think they were huge advocates of me or the pink and content. <laughs> full stop. But uh, but yeah, no, random, random people you bump into. We go, we're on a train going to from our base here in Frankfurt down to Kaiserslautern. It's about an hour twenty, uh, and we pick the carriage where there's not just those two, but there was another two lads. I think um, yeah. in Norwich shirts who were from Attleborough. Yeah, yeah. So, but these two right pair of characters we won't name them to save them but suffice to say yeah they would drink until three so <laughs> friday morning saturday morning friday night apparently it reached the 20 point threshold and one of them spent a lot of time in the the train toilet cubicle um probably getting rid of a lot of that <laughs> fluid out of various well, we won't even go there but uh but they were characters and they were 
it was great to have a chat with them, wasn't it? And just uh, get their sense on it. They were actually quite optimistic yeah, about Norwich's yeah. season ahead, and uh, you know it's good to get those sort of perspectives. But yeah, how, how clear they were thinking after twenty points, I don't know. But hopefully they had a good night. Uh, we didn't bump into them again, yeah. so um, and they're I think they're on the uh, we're on a late flight, but they're on an even later one out of Frankfurt Hahn tonight, aren't they? Yeah, so yeah, hopefully they yeah. make their their train uh, and plane and. Uh, if they see us around Norwich at Carrow, they said they go to all the games. Um, you know, come and come and look us up again. But yeah, we're we're keeping it real, aren't we? We're just exactly. men of the people, aren't we? Ultimately, so that's you know, if if you, I'm sure you boys, you're Norwich fans. I mean, you'd probably be out. Well, Adam just as he told us, he's he's been out on previous tours as a fan. So you know, it's it's just great. I mean, it's, why would what what's there not to like about coming to a place like this with this sort of weather and few steins and uh, watch your team play football you know that's what it's all about isn't it it is indeed which uh, unless prob- you're a teetotal like you Connor yeah yeah that's true I probably consume more um, Pepsi and whatnot and various different than I, than I have uh, than I ever have in this week but it's uh, but it's been good that probably uh, that probably leads us nicely to uh, to head back to England and say Alfie de Zane to all of uh, to all of you who've been following us this week in Germany. Thank you very much for doing so. He said we'll be in uh, Holland as well. Uh, that that's just uh, over a, a couple of day period in Austria, which is a three day period, as well um, the week after. And then obviously it all ends with that uh, pre season game against Olympiakos at Carrode, and we'll be there as well. So. Uh, Everything to lead you into the season. If you get to take out a Lincoln Plus uh, subscription and, and free trial again, what are you doing? But come and join us. Uh, you can find all the details of that on our website. From Frankfurt, from the River Mine, and uh, from uh, the Pinkin team, thank you very much for watching, for listening, and we'll see you again very soon.